Hello folks, it's Josh Karyevsky here. I'm here with Lynn Langett and we are at the Yao Conference in Sydney, Australia. Hello folks. So who's Lynn? Lynn is an amazing woman. This is gonna be an extremely inspiring show. I'm very excited about this. Uh, she's a cloud architect. She's a data architect. She's into bioinformatics. She's done some incredible things there. Taught herself so many things. This is um, amazing. So. We have a lot to talk about. Um, can we start talking with uh, you about your career and some of the things that uh, you've done over the years? I know we talked briefly about your some of the things that you are passionate about, like um, micro-mentoring and visibility. Yeah, so I came to a technical career at 38. So <laughs> I started sort of at midlife. and. <laughs> Um, in some ways, it's a great advantage because it makes me um, keeps me closer to beginner's mind, right? Mm. So when I was working and started working in this field, uh, of course, there are very few women, unfortunately, not a lot of women still. And I made a number of career decisions because I saw um, women uh, doing jobs that I was interviewing for. For example, when I was interviewing for Microsoft uh, for a technical evangelist, I really was feeling like, eh, Am I really qualified? You know, gosh, I'm not really sure. And honestly, what put me over the top is I saw a woman doing an interview on MSDN Channel 9 about being a technical evangelist. Mm. And that was kind of the thing that pushed me over the top to allow me to comfortably join a team of 60 men. Mm. There were 60 men and two women. And so I thought, well, that really worked for me. And then as I'm progressing through my career, I'm very um, aware of this. And so I take a lot of speaking opportunities. So here I am at Yao and I actually was doing the keynote. And you know, this has been my year of keynotes and really pushing myself further because my own experience has been when I see less, uh, see diverse people doing these jobs, it kind of gives me the confidence. And I feel like I need to give back. Like yeah. that's part of what I need to do. Well, your, your keynote was incredible. Thanks. And uh, with your co, your, your co-presenter, uh, Dennis, mm -hmm. um, about the genome. Yep. And can you say a little more about that? For sure. I've been, um, I got interested in bioinformatics um, about a year ago, and I've been working with CSIRO here in Sydney, Australia remotely as a cloud architect. They have some um, machine learning algorithms and some tools that they have created and they really don't have the staff on board to understand how to use cloud, basically. They, they you know, are kind of just you know, reading the documentation and trying to figure out how to get Amazon EC2 up and going. And, and you know, they've got really important things to work on, like where to end up the genome. And so uh, you know, I, I was introduced to them at a conference and it's been a pattern in my life that I've done about 20% of my time um, volunteering, technical volunteering, because I find it to be, you know, just satisfying in many ways. And it, I learn lots of things. And so this is the new project that I've been working with. And specifically, I'm working on a machine learning algorithm to help to find, as Dennis likes to call, the needles in the haystack or the genomic variants of interest for disease conditions. Wow. And then um, another tool which is like a Google for finding the GT scan uh, edit point so that the bioinformaticians can find the place they can actually cut in the genome and then make alterations so that they can start to um, try out personalized medicine solutions for diseases like cancer. Wow, that's incredible. So, uh, and you taught yourself bioinformatics like a year ago, was that it? Yeah, yeah, I don't have a TV, so this is really you oh. know, convenient. All right, folks, do not have a TV. <laughs> and uh, maybe no, 
cut down on the Netflix shows. <laughs> right, right. So you taught yourself bioinformatics, and here you are giving a keynote on your journey with, with that and the, and the genome project here in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm really impressed. You also have like the number one, uh, one of the most in popular uh, courses on lynda.com about Hadoop. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. I worked at Microsoft and I was a, came out of the Microsoft ecosystem. So the Microsoft trainer and then a partner and then I worked there. And um, back in, oh gosh, it was 2011. I left Microsoft uh, when the cloud was starting to be a thing and these new database technologies were coming out because I, I did a lot of work previously in traditional database technology like SQL Server. Mm-hmm. So I live in California and I saw, you know, Hadoop and NoSQL. And when I left Microsoft, I said, hmm, I want to really learn about this. So I pushed myself hard. You know, I went literally a month after 14 years in Microsoft. I went to a Cloudera class, Linux, Java, Hadoop, really difficult, but learned it. Mm-hmm. And because I thought my journey in learning would be valuable, mm-hmm. uh, I made courses out of it. And one of the courses has resonated with a large audience. Wow. Learning Hadoop. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So you're, um, you're constantly, it seems to me, you're constantly taking on giant challenges <laughs> and experimenting and learning. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I'm a curious person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really, yeah, I mean, I'm the, you know, my poor kid. I have one daughter and she's off to university this mm. year becoming a bioinformatician oh. and um yeah yeah so the apple doesn't fall far from well that. i know it's kind of like at the same time and uh you know when she would bring home her you know calculus homework it would be like great fantastic teach it to me yay because i never had the opportunity to learn you know that level of math when i was in regular school mm-hmm. and you've learned a lot of math just on your you're an autodidact <laughs> well I, i'm a math nerd that's for sure i learned calculus when i was 51 i i um I was laid up, I had a foot injury, and um, uh, somebody challenged me. They said, they said, you know, just do it, just learn calculus. And oh, it was the best thing ever. I did mm-hmm. Khan Academy, you know, the thing for the kids. Yeah. I did it like uh, up to three hours a day, because I had to do all these stupid foot exercises. I really hurt my foot, it's fine now. But like, I was serious, I couldn't get off the couch. And like, I'm not gonna watch TV. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I got all the way, I did like 500 exercises of Khan Academy. and. Like it's really helpful now because I'm trying to master these new machine learning libraries and they're based on calculus. Oh wow. And so I have this like advantage mm-hmm. similar to people that have just come out of university, right? Mm-hmm. Plus experience. So Awesome. Yeah, it works. Very, very cool. <laughs> now we also talked a little bit um, about teaching kids. You teach kids how to program, don't you? Yeah. So when I joined Microsoft in two thousand seven mm-hmm. and I was on that team of, you know, sixty guys. Um, and two women. I was like, hmm, wow. you know, I, I kind of want to do something about this, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I negotiated, and I um, negotiated with Microsoft, and I actually actually got it as part of my contract. Twenty five percent of my time was to work on the woman in tech problem. Hmm. So I was kind of this is actually really important though, because um, typically what happens is diversity initiatives are kind of like nice to have and then it, you burn out right because you like have to do it on top of your work right and so this is like a really key thing for mm-hmm. people that are working at corporations mm-hmm. like it's not just salary that's negotiable it's your time right yeah and so 25 percent of my time 
was devoted ultimately to teaching children because that's where I found the niche area. Mm. And I started with this program called DigiGirls. They didn't have an instance of it in Southern California. Mm. And I found that they didn't have any curriculum. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was like well-intentioned. Mm -hmm. And I literally sat down with, a, at that time, my eight-year-old daughter. And I was like, what's fun? And because there was like nothing, anything that we made was used and it was used globally and suddenly I was the global curriculum coordinator for all of Microsoft and I got a lot of iterations and so I learned, right? Oh, I see. So that's kind of how it started. And then when I left Microsoft, um, we took the work that we had done on a proprietary Microsoft platform on Small Basic mm -hmm. and, and by starting to interact with uh, school teachers mm -hmm. because we were starting to understand that this was a bigger issue than just having events. You wanted to, we wanted to like, ongoing, right? yeah, really, you know, mm -hmm. make an impact and bring more people into the programming pipeline. Mm -hmm. And so we started working with school teachers and we found that there was this huge gap in middle schools because oh. in, in um, the primary school, there were these visual based programming environments. Mm -hmm. And then in high school in the U.S. it was AP Java mm -hmm. and middle school, there's nothing. So we took um, the work that we had done in Microsoft and then we ported it over to Java mm -hmm. um, Which was a little tricky for me because I wasn't a Java programmer. Yeah, so I actually had to hire people mm -hmm. <laughs> Anyway, and so now we have an 80 course uh, library that is being used in 16 U.S. states and 10 countries. Wow. And it's open source. Mm -hmm. um, we have teacher resources and we have two models. Mm -hmm. One is um, completely free, teachers uh, train and, uh, and that kind of stuff. And then we spun off a separate nonprofit mm -hmm. called TKP Labs. And they're a nonprofit, but they're fee-based, so they train teachers. Okay. So. Okay. And you, you mentioned that um, when we were talking earlier today about um, the thumbs up from the kids. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Say more about that, because yeah. I, I think you're when you're experimenting and learning rapidly on a product and delivering value continuously, you epitomize that, I think, with <laughs> your, your, your kids' courses. Well, it's not, that's just one example. I mean, obviously with yeah. the commercial software as well. But with the kids' stuff, um, you know, I had my daughter, right? And she was growing along the way. And, you know, initially I would just, you know, try it out on her. But eventually she became, you know, a support person and then even eventually a teacher and then eventually a courseware author. So hmm. when we were working with her and any other kids I could find, I'd walk around the neighborhood and say, hey kids, come on over, it'll be fun. We won't watch TV, but it'll be fun. Um, and I would do the lessons and then the kids, you know, they'd be like, thumbs up, which would mean good, we could keep going. Good lesson. Yeah, yeah, or kind of boring, right? Mm -hmm. That Up the fun, you know, I have a German background, so I'm a little light on the fun, right? <laughs> or, or kind of, you know, uh, that's dumb, Very you know, bad. right, right? Mm -hmm. And we did this just constantly mm -hmm. because, um, you know, just like any software product, it, until, like you say this, I guess, until it goes out to the user, it doesn't really matter, right? right? right. It doesn't right. really matter. In this case, the kids were the users. Excellent. So mm -hmm. um, that helped you evolve this this nonprofit courseware, which is now helping lots of people around the world. Yeah, it's so exciting. I've, we got graduates. So we've got one one woman. She um, I taught her when she was 16. And she graduated from University in Canada. Um, she's now 23. And her first job was at Pivotal. Six figures, programmer, so, super cool. So you're making people awesome. <laughs> um, I, I, I think if we looked at this wonderful little graphic here, <laughs> um, you're making people awesome just by, first of all, by giving keynotes like this around the world on, on genomics and bioinformatics and just proving that you can, you can learn this stuff and you can be helpful to people in the world. Um, you also mentioned uh, you had a couple of friends with cancer and that this was related. Can you say more about that? Yeah, so the reason I got into bioinformatics is because um, my one of my best friends, the, the woman who was my maid of honor at my wedding, mm. so I've known her for 
30 years, just best friends. Our kids are the same ages. She got cancer mm-hmm. and she's okay now, but mm-hmm. she had such a harsh course of chemotherapy, just the most radical treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was dehumanizing. Yeah. It was, it was, and I was, you know, right alongside her daughter was in college and I was, her daughter was having some difficulties. And so I was kind of like jump, like helping, you know, very much part of her journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just horrific, horrific. Um, because of some other work that I had done, I was aware that immunotherapies are starting to become available, mm-hmm. which is involves editing the genome. And again, I'm not a bioinformatician, but my understanding in, of this is you the, the bioinformaticians find the edit points, mm-hmm. they edit, they um, put your own cells back in, edited cells, wow. and then it's kind of like the same process when you get a cold and mm-hmm. you have an immunity. So the, the disruption mm-hmm. to, your, to your body is similar to when you're recovering from cancer, let's say, mm-hmm. is similar to when you're recovering from a cold. Wow. So I have my first friend who couldn't have that. And that's what spurred me to do this mm-hmm. because I know that this is becoming more broadly available. And then I hmm. heard from one of my vendor partners that the bioinformaticians needed some help from cloud experts. And I was like, well, I'm all in. <laughs> and then I had another friend who actually um, is a patient advocacy person because he's had three cancers in his life. His his name's Andrew Shore, and he runs patientpower.info. And they connect patients with doctors, and they also now help patients to get into these immunotherapy uh, trials. So, you know, I'm very kind of learning about this from him. And he's personally, you know, able to take advantage of this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm seeing that he can, you know, really have have his cancer is more like a condition Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, just this complete disruption. And I'm just like, well, what can I do so more people can, you know, be in this situation. Right. And so I happened to come to a bioinformatics conference in Australia, <laughs> and then I met these people in CSIRO, and here we are. Yeah, incredible. And you called it personalized medicine? Is that what this yeah. is named yeah, for? Yeah, so yeah. So, and again, like, I'm not a bioinformatician. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. so you can fact check me, people watching this. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the understanding that I have is that with um, the genomic editing, uh, well, first, you know, you have to do processing of the disease patients and the non-disease patients and then and analyze, like, where the letters are different. That's mm-hmm. one part of it. And then you have to look at where the experimentation can be done. And there's some aspect to how the DNA actually uh, presents. Like, sometimes it's more tightly curled, so it's tougher to edit. Mm. So one of the um, tools that we showed is, is, like I said, it's like the, a Google for the genome. And it literally has green or black. And it's like green is edit here, bioinformatician. Mm-hmm. Black is... And, you know, tools like this are really important because then, because the genome's so wide, right? Like three billion letters and we're 99% the same, but that still leaves like millions of places that these bioinformaticians have to look at. And it's not just a single letter, it's groups, right? Wow. So it's like a really difficult computational problem and they need really fast feedback. Yeah. And they don't have it. And so that's where I'm coming in. I'm trying to help them with cloud scale stuff so that they can, you know, take advantage of the economies of cloud and, you know, all that kind of stuff so they can get faster feedback and, and, and get the right edit point. And, we were ta- <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, folks, we were, I think we were talking last night, you're doing this for free because yeah. this, is your, this is your 20% time. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, Google people have 20% time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a pretty powerful thing to do just, on your, just for yourself. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Like, I've always, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, I run my life the way I want to and I've been very fortunate the curiosity kind of drives that, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, so, you know, whether I worked for a corporation, Microsoft, you know, and I had the 20% time, 
or on my own. And I couldn't, I can't always do it. I've been independent since sure. 2011. You know, mm -hmm. you got to earn a living, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, as I, my curiosity allows me to have skills that are in really great demand. Um, so like right now, for example, literally right now, I'm trying to understand the uh, implications and applications of deep neural networks. Um, oh. So TensorFlow and MXNet. And it's really hard. It's a really hard problem. Really, it's, you know, applied um, calculus on matrices, mm -hmm. right? Like, really hard but fun really fun and uh, if I can get that you know that skills in really high demand so I can charge really premium money for that sure. and that enables me to have my 20% time so I think you keep yourself safe by constantly learning and uh, what I mean it's, it's driven by by pure love of of what you're doing too right I mean yeah I'm a super nerd like I'm you know I'm the one that like likes to assemble the Ikea furniture and likes to look in the car engine and like I'm just like how does that work how, how does that how, <laughs> tell me, show, show me how that works and again I have this like weird confidence that hopefully isn't off-putting because I think I have the ability to understand anything mm -hmm. which is a little maybe a little crazy <laughs> that's who that's, I am it's bold, it's bold and you're having a major impact so it's, it's incredible I just finally hear uh you speak at some conferences, not at others. What's your criteria for speaking? Because you know, obviously you're here at Yale. You've you've given the keynote right um, in three cities here: Melbourne, Brisbane, and Sydney. Brisbane. 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 Sorry. <laughs> American. Oops. Yes. Uh, so, what's your criteria? Like, what? How? How do you think about uh, what conferences you speak at? Yeah. Well, life is about choice for those of us who are, you know, have had some good fortune. And so uh, I'm very uh, specific when I select the conferences that I speak at. Uh, I would like to see diversity in the speaker lineup. Mm. And I look for that. I research when I'm uh, requested to speak at a conference. I will research previous instances of the conference and mm. I will favor those that have diversity in their speaker lineups. I will also look for code of conduct. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I have choice around the environments that I put myself in and um, I do my research. Great. Well, um, this this Yao conference has been uh, pleasant. Oh, fantastic! Wonderful diversity here too. Yes. So, mm -hmm. uh, very very good. Thank you for being on the show. Um, it's been a you know, pleasure to just interview you and uh, amazing amazing woman. So uh, keep watching. What are you going to do next? I mean, are you are you going to help us get to Mars or something like that? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to take a break from speaking because oh. I've been I've been really like pounding on the speaking. And I'm going to um, work hard with Dr. Bauer's team to make Variant Spark the best machine learning API for bioinformatics by bringing together and uh, working coding remotely um, uh, with a group of volunteers that hmm. we have um, inspired worldwide. We've got about five people, and we have a big backlog of projects so that we can get unit tests around the code, we can Ooh. get continuous deployment in the code, all the best software practices. Fantastic. Um... What more can we say? Thank you so much, and uh, thanks for watching, everybody.